Hey everyone, this is The Truth of the Matter Is. I am your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. This is episode number 59. Speaking on behalf of myself and Jonathan, we appreciate everyone for listening in today. Before we begin, though, let's give a round of applause to all who decided to tune in. This could be episode one in your book or episode number 59 as a longtime listener. But we want to say thank you and hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. On the Truth of the Matter is podcast is all about studying God's word and allowing his word to shape, mold and fashion you to have a biblical perspective on life. It gives the individual a chance for their heart and mind to change and be inspired through the word of God, which is alive and well. Now, before we begin, let's pray. We find it helpful to pray because, again, it's free access to God. And he welcomes us to chat anytime, any place, about anything. If you want to have an open and honest conversation with him, He's here for you. Let's say it's about your worries, your concerns, your well-being. How about family, friends, acquaintances, situations, even enemies? God is listening. Trust and believe me when I say that. Okay? So prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do on the behalf of our existence. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise, not because of what you have done for us, but because of who you are. You deserve that much from us. Lord, as we pick up on what we started last week, I ask that you open all eyes to see, all ears to hear, all minds to understand, all hearts to receive the truth, not their truth, or society's truth, but the truth that's been present since the beginning and will be here in the end. The truth that isn't restricted by time or rules, but lives in everlasting. The truth that convicts us, the truth that inspires us to reform and repent. The truth that is Christ Jesus. All truth points to him, and therefore let us have faith in him as he guides us to everlasting and eternal life. All who are in agreement, please say, in Jesus' name, amen. But before we begin, begin, how are you, Daniel? How's everything going? Anything new, interesting happening to you with this week? I'm doing all right. I had a couple more uh, job opportunities that came my way, so looking to capitalize on those things. And it's funny enough, we talked about prayer. One thing I prayed for this week was I said, you know, God, let my best self show up on this interview and how not only I want to represent myself, but how you want me to represent you. And I can say it's one of the best interviews I've ever done in my life. So, you know, shout out to the man upstairs. Nice. Any particulars of the interview that you want to share that made you feel like it was the best interview of your life? Because I came in from one position and got offered a whole different position. So that's not God working out. I don't know what it is. Okay. So did you get it? 
well it's an opportunity so i'm still waiting to hear back on that but um for the most part yeah i fill out the application and everything so now if all dots connect and if it's his well on his way then i'm sure it'll be a thing nice 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 sounds like you're gonna be in a predicament where you might be able to use your gifts talents and abilities for a completely different position that might pay more might even be might even have a much more longevity than what you originally went in for so it's always good to hear good news it's always good to see something happening you know in someone's life that you care about and that you're getting to the next level where you need to be so i'm glad i'm happy for you and i'm also thankful that you've decided to share that with me well of course you know i'll share it with everybody and um, you know like i said it's not official yet but the the most important thing for me was just seeing what was brung out of me on that day so that's what um that's why i want to share it because i feel like that's god working if i've ever seen an example of it good 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 personal example yes yeah and what about you what, how's your week been mm, week's been okay could be better mm-hmm. i was able to get one of the most important things done on my car thank god for saving once again i was able to take some money out of my savings and allow it to contribute to fixing one of the problems in the car and moving forward is a few additional things that i'm getting done on the car and i think i'll be okay for the time being not as successful when it comes to the job process as you but i have faith and i'm not worried at the at the slightest right now right now i'm just taking it one day at a time it gives me more opportunity to prepare for the podcast and then it also gives me more opportunity to just relax i know god's in control and i know at some point when it's time i will be able to go to the next level also studying for my lsat i've got more time for that and that's good so that's going on and then i've had more time to contribute to helping my mom with her garden you know everything that's going on there is very important to her so i've had a consistent period of time to go over there and water the plants and during that time you know i'm listening to sermons listening to podcasts other than this one catching up on things and you know right now i'm in the driver's seat and i'm taking it one day at a time couldn't ask for anything better so sounds good to me yeah all right so you want to get started you know productivity yeah for sure okay so last week I believe I made some profound suggestions on how I view the text of Luke chapter 19 verses 45 through 46, right? I hinted at some ideas and I didn't get a chance to really build on the foundation of those ideas. I'm hoping today in a timely matter that I will provide clarity and understanding to some of those ideas that I mentioned. But before I begin... There was a word in a verse I spoke of last week. I used no reference to scripture specifically, right? I was speaking from memory. And I got to admit, I messed up on the word. The text was actually the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 15. And I said, strangers, when Jesus actually said, I no longer call you servants. I said, strangers. But he said, servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. 
Instead, I have called you friends. So last week I said strangers. So, you know, I want to apologize for that and clear that up. I misspoke. I was off. I think that can happen sometimes. So I wanted to own it, you know, to correct it right away. Right. Even those strangers don't have their master's business either. I was still wrong. And one other thing, there was a time a while back when I referenced chapter seven, when it was chapter eight in Proverbs. So, you know, I want to make sure I correct that as well. So I guess episode 59 is where you have my apologies and points where I've corrected myself on the two mistakes I've made since I've done the podcast. So if anyone's curious about where they can find it, it's in episode 59. All right. So now about Luke 19 verse 45 through 46, it was in the improvised version. And I want Daniel to remind us of what it said. Let's focus specifically on verse 45. Jesus went into the temple in closure and began driving out those who were selling. Okay. So from last week, we looked at that specific verse and then we looked up the word enclosure. So what does it mean, Daniel? An enclosure is something that closes you in like a pen or a cage. Then I looked up enclosed. Instead, I took out the URE and looked up enclosed, which is what Jesus did in the past tense. And we learned that enclosed is something that is to contain someone, something, or some space inside of something. So I went back and asked myself, what is Jesus enclosing on? What did he want to contain? Right. For one, it had to be the space that was being occupied for financial and selfish reasons and gain. Remember, in the NLT and the Message Bible, it said sacrifices for animals along with everything and anything is what was being sold. Okay. Therefore, Jesus in that moment drove out the people doing damage. By using the temple as a flea market. Now, if anyone knows what a flea market is, right? Or if you don't know what a flea market is, you can look it up. It's a almost sometimes chaotic environment where people are selling stuff. And they are selling them cheap, affordable. And usually people who go to these places either can't afford or they want something in a reasonable price that they can get that's usable sometimes it's resold things that people have in their garage for a very long time and they're trying to get rid of it it's almost a garage sale but it's more of a flea market standpoint because there's been clothes and a lot of other accessories that have now been there so again if you have to look it up to get more details about it you're entitled but That's pretty much what goes on in that environment. Now, Jesus also began to address the mindset and the mentality of the people who saw these things transpiring in the church or temple environment. Okay, when it comes to learned behavior, it's about what you see that gives you the notion that certain practices and behaviors are okay and justified. So what does Jesus do as a reminder? 
right? He chases out those who will sell and sacrifice animals and selling anything and everything and focuses on the people who witnessed what was transpiring. This is why I think it's essential and important to why he references Jeremiah 7 verse 1 through 11, which is what we spoke about last week and what Daniel read. Now, why is this so important? And why did Jesus reference this text? For one, I hope it was noticeable that, noticeable that Jeremiah, who was the prophet, spoke. And who was the one that was doing the talking? It was God. So God spoke to Jeremiah and told him what to say. It's for that reason that most prophets verbatimly will say, the Lord said this. The Lord your God said that. Now, revisiting last week, Daniel read verses 1 through 11 from Jeremiah 7. However, we're going to focus on verse 10 through 11 today. And for those who don't remember, this is what it says. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching declares the Lord. Okay, good job, Dan. Now watch this. Jesus says in verse 46 of of Luke 19, this is what Jesus says. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. So Jesus specifically says my house. Now, the question is, why would Jesus say my house if it's God's house? Unless he is God in the flesh, referencing his own words that came from one of the members of the Godhead, the Father. Remember, the three persons that make up the Godhead, the three members of the Godhead is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those three persons actually make up one. Truth be told, he could have easily said, My Father's house. But that's not what he said. He said, My house. And guess what? It's written the same way, no matter the translation you check out. So Jesus is claiming himself to be God by using the word my, and he's doing it intentionally, not mistakenly, but intentionally. If we dig deeper in regards to the terminology when it comes to the English language, the term my is a clear possessive pronoun. That speaks to what belongs to or is in association with the speaker, which in this text happens to be Jesus. Now, let's dig a bit deeper and look at verses in the scripture that points to Jesus referencing his association with the Godhead and him verbatimly always saying that he is God. So we begin with the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 30, and this is what it says. I and the Father are one. So that's Jesus clearly declaring himself as one with the Father. How about John 14.10? What does it say there? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Yet again, Jesus is declaring himself one with God. How about John 14.9? Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So where am I going with this? And why is this important that you may be asking, right? 
Jesus understood representation is everything. So he came to earth in representation of God in the flesh. Jesus understood that living out the truth, right, being subjective to human thoughts and problems will be challenging. Putting on human flesh meant he would be tempted and struggles. He will struggle with passions and desires. And yet he understood his mission. And that mission was he had to be perfect and not sin. One of the reasons for his coming was to provide grace and mercy to the Jew and the Gentile. Because the religious leaders and Pharisees and Sadducees weren't providing that. They were actually willing to stone a woman for her adulterous behavior and actions. Remember, in that same story, Jesus posed the question, Can anyone find me guilty of sin? So yes, representation matters. Why do you think in companies and businesses, they check out a person's association, their friends, their family, their social media outlets? Because they understand that when you become part of that said company or part of that said business, you represent them. Why do you think in some companies they require that you shave? They require that you dress appropriately. Why? Because it's all about the image, right? Now, when we look into this day and age, there are some companies that are allowing people to express themselves a little bit more, right? However, this has been a stable for such a long time historically about the fact that being clean shaved was important. I remember when I worked for UPS, that was one of the requirements that you represent us and therefore we want you to shave. Now, this is the reason why we also went back to the gospel, not the gospel, we went to 1 John, right? And we reread 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 to 7 last week, right? We spoke about fellowship and I gave you two different definitions, one that is personal between you and God and the other one that is corporate based upon the organizations that Christians are a part of, right? Or the church that you have decided to be a part of, right? And when you're a part of a church or an industry that is for Christ, you understand that it's that when you join that said company or business or that association, it's about their agenda, it's about their mission, right? So as a quick reminder, Daniel, could you read First John again, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7 for the people who have missed it? This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son purifies us all from sin. So great job, Daniel. So back to Luke 19, verse 46. So what does Jesus go to work on? And what I mean go to work on, where is his focus? What is his next decision or actions that follow, right, from verse 45? Jesus goes to work on a mindset the mentality of the people by doing what? So I'm glad you asked. So let's finish Luke 19, and we're going to move on to verses 47 and 48. And we're going to look at this in the Message Bible. And this is what it says. From then on, he taught each day in the temple, the highest priests, religious scholars, and the leaders of the people were trying their best to find a way to get rid of him. But with the people hanging on every road he spoke, they couldn't come up with anything. 
So, Jesus began to fellowship with the people, educate the people, steer their minds and understanding into the correct direction. He was containing the people that make up the church, those who would have to carry his message, the gospel. What does it mean to contain, but to serve as a vessel or holder for something, right? Jesus came and taught the gospel message. He even said at one point, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If that isn't direct or straightforward, then I don't know what is, right? He started to shape and mold those who followed him that would soon become his disciples. Remember, before he selected the twelve, and by the way, he knew one of them was a devil. This is in scripture. He knew who the four pillars would be in the present, right? Four pillars were John, Peter, James, and Paul. At one point, Jesus also, in another gospel, had a large group of disciples and sent them two by two to spread the good news. Jesus, without question, treasured his church, the people. He valued the priority he placed on us. And let's take it a step further. We're actually going to go to Ephesians 4. Chapter 4, verse 4 through 16. And we're going to check out this in the Amplified Version, what happens to be one of the more detailed and explained versions of the Bible. Now, Daniel, I want you to read this slowly so everyone listening gets this. Take it away. There is one body of believers and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of us all who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways. In proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He bestowed gifts on men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had previously descended from the heights of heaven into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended above all the heavens, that he, his presence, might fill all things, that is, the whole universe. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers and representatives, some as prophets, who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists, who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers, to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually, to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, 
by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, and all its various parts, join and knit it firmly together by every joint supplies when every part is working properly causes the body to grow and mature building itself up in unselfish love that's a great job daniel and i think with that being said we gotta let that breathe a little bit like really take some time to process what he just read so we're gonna give you 10 seconds Yeah, so this passage doesn't need an explanation because it's self-explanatory of what Christ did for his people before he ascended to heaven to return. Again, now we don't know the day nor the time or even the hour, and yet I'm sure that Christ expects us to continue doing what is best for his kingdom. All of us were called and born to do something to help build God's kingdom and, of course, live out the Christian difference. Now, moving forward, to what I want us to take a look at is we're going to go to Luke 20 and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And we're going to look at this also in the message Bible. So please listen now. One day he was teaching the people in the temple, proclaiming the message. The high priests, religious scholars and leaders confronted him and demanded, show us your credentials who authorize you to speak and act like this. And Jesus answered, First, let me ask you a question about the baptism of John. Who authorized it, heaven or humans? They were on the spot and knew it. They pulled back into the huddle and whispered, If we say heaven, he'll ask us why we didn't believe him. If we say humans, the people will tear us limb from limb. Convinced as they are that John was God's prophet, they agreed to concede that round to Jesus and said they didn't know. Jesus said, then neither will I answer your question. All right, great job, Daniel. So I thought this passage of scripture was very interesting because it showed the malicious mindset of the high priests and religious scholars and leaders. It also gave us a preview to the wisdom of Christ because it was definitely on full display, right? When you really look at this text, what's going on is that Jesus is questioning their knowledge, right? If they're going to be people who are, you know, credible and people who are, in, who are held in high esteem, they should have known that answer. But unfortunately, they didn't know the answer, right? And I'm going to get into this a little bit more about the importance of credentials or the importance of experience or how long you've been in ministry or if you're reading your Bible and those sort of things. Right. But I want our conversation to begin at verse two. Right. So, Dan, can you remind us of what verse two says? Show us your credentials. Who authorized you to speak and act like this? So that was the question that was proposed to Jesus by the high priest, religious scholars, and leaders. So let me first say this. 
The reason for why we gather is the development of the church and the people in it, which is why we read Ephesians 4, verses 4 to 16. We see structurally how Christ set up the church. However, there was a statement that Jesus made before he ascended, and he told this to his disciples. So I asked myself this question. Who are the disciples? Who are the disciples? And that would happen to be those who were present and heard this. And believers now who read God's word and are followers of Christ. We too have become disciples thereafter. So let me be clear. The message just wasn't to the disciples who were present because they wouldn't be able to carry the message of the gospel for years to come. The legacy then falls to us, the new generation. And a generation after that. And a generation after that. The disciples during this time were the foundation of the message, which is important, but its meaning must continue, correct? When Christ visited his disciples, remember, he was on earth 40 days. He spent 40 days with his disciples, and more than 500 people saw him alive. And this is when Christ was resurrected, by the way. And those 500, I believe, were Christians. So when Jesus went back to heaven to return one day, guess what? Christians from that point on, all around the world to this present day, have faced persecution by the hand of numerous different officials that have different religious beliefs or political power. At that time, they fell at the hand of Nero, who killed Christians for sport in a coliseum, right? And we've talked about this in a, in a specific episode. But you know that during that period of time, over 3,000 Christians were willing to die. And why were they willing to die? Because they were alive and they witnessed Jesus seeing him alive. And we know that that couldn't have been achieved unless they had faith in Christ. Their faith in Christ was a real thing. Death didn't scare them because they understood Christ conquered death. And now we don't have to fear death because we know that we will be in the everlasting point. Someday. Some people now who have passed away are in, are in what they consider the waiting place. So, why am I saying this? Let's get to the text I'm talking about in regards to Jesus providing a mission for all his disciples, right? He left, he made this statement before he ascended, right? So, we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to look at chapter 16, and then he's going to read verses 15 through 20. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So I won't get into particulars 
of every aspect of this text because it's extremely controversy depending on who you talk to. But let me talk to you for a few minutes before we go into devotion. One of the things I want to say is this. There is nothing wrong with sharing your testimony. Why? Because it's elevating the message of the gospel. There's nothing wrong with having a YouTube channel or a podcast. Why? Because it's help. It's helping the development and growth of the believer and it's assisting in the work of the church. Everyone doesn't have access to a church, but they do have access to YouTube. They do have access to podcasts. I believe all of us that are believers and non-believers have gifts, talents, and abilities and skills. And I believe we can help grow and develop the church while also providing godly content for all believers during the week. I believe those things can coexist with one another. Okay? I believe the reason we gather is important. I think having a good Bible-based church allows you the opportunity to come in and volunteer. Sometimes in that process, you may find your purpose and how you can help the body of Christ outside of what your regular job is. Maybe you are meant to start a YouTube channel or a podcast. Maybe you are meant to play some pivotal role in the technology and the development when it comes to the mics and the technology and how things work musically. Acquire any of those things on church day or Tuesdays on Wednesdays, right? The important thing is you can learn a lot from doing these things. So I ask that you don't neglect the process of what these contributions can have for any church body per se. I also want to say this. It's wise to read your Bible and study yourself approved before you go out declaring what you believe. I believe you must know that what you believe is a conviction and not a preference, right? Your faith and belief must be strong and you must be sure of it, okay? One of the reasons why church is important is the pastor and the preachers. They are the voice of God. They spend hours and hours in study because they're dealing with people's souls, which isn't a game. One of the most important things is that we advocate here on the truth of the matter is, is that you must study yourself approved so you also can be able to discern what you're hearing. Okay? Make sure you are studying because there will become points when you won't agree with everything that you hear from any said pastor. Maybe you might need clarity, and that can happen through discussion and understanding, right? That can be improved. So don't just believe everything you hear. This is the reason why on this podcast we, we provide scriptures. We provide the context of what we're talking about. We allow you to follow along and we even give you insight to the different translations that allows you to go study on your own. Okay? We don't want you to believe everything that you hear. But what we do want is we want discussion. Because in discussion, that's where clarity happens. We do also want Bible study, right? We understand that having a relationship with your Bible is important. We understand that Bible study is important for not just yourself, but for others who are a participant of that. We believe it's a beautiful thing to be able to have an opportunity to discuss things and get an understanding about God's word. That's the whole point of learning. 
and growing and maturing. We understand that this process takes time, but we encourage you to embrace it. Now, this podcast is here to help you think critically while giving you practical ways on how you can apply the Bible and what you're reading. It's a conversation starter. We hope that we can spark your curiosity about the word of God every time you listen. We also hope that we can inspire you to read God's word in your own time. We hope that we are moving the needle for you to get into God's word yourself and establish your own relationship with God and make it personal. We advocate the church. We support the church. And the truth of the matter is podcast just wants you to understand the value of gathering. We also want to lead you to Christ where truth and relationship is a real thing. Okay. So these are some of the reasons why we find it essential for why gathering is important in your walk with Christ. And back to the question about credentials. Yes, there's value in how long you spend time understanding God. But the beautiful thing about conversation and growth, and one of the things that I've embraced, is that there's nothing wrong with not being right. Sometimes. Why? Because you go back to the drawing board, drawing board, and you can figure out, well, why am I wrong? Why am I viewing this thing the way that I'm doing it? One of the most important things that transpired is that Jesus, when he spoke to Nicodemus, right, they had a conversation. He said, You're an expert, you're an expert in the law. How do you read it? Right? Because based upon your lens and the way that you view the text might be prohibiting you to understand the true meaning of the text. So during that time period, Jesus was saying, sometimes it's your lens that prevents you from getting a much more deeper revelation of the text or even understanding or basic understanding of the text. So this is why you study your self-approved. This is why you pray. This is why your walk with Christ is forever learning. You're forever growing. You're forever developing. Because the way you might look at a particular text right now, you may see it differently in 10 years, five years, months years from now right so oh never be set in your ways there's one of my favorite scriptures is, is corinthians is those who think they know something don't yet know as they ought to know what does that mean that means that when you think you arrived you've missed it why have you missed it because even when you think you arrived there's still more that you can grasp there's still more that you can learn from there's still more okay so I just want to encourage people out there, you know, get in a good Bible-based church. If you're on YouTube, if you're on podcasts, make sure that your life is reflective of the things that you say. It's very important. It's essential that you're walking that life while you're also speaking it. Because guess what? People are watching. And there was a, a song that we spoke about. And I believe episode four, that you might be the last Jesus someone sees. So you don't watch. People are watching. People are paying attention to the things that you do. And on that note, before we get into devotion, I want to give the floor to Dane. If there's anything he wants to add, anything he wants to say, any contribution he wants to give people out there so they can understand the reason why gathering in church is important. And it's not just about YouTube. It's not just about podcasts. 
but it's also being around like believers with the same mindset and mentality to help motivate, encourage, and inspire. I will say, uh, watch episode 58 if you haven't. That's really all I have to add. Okay. So with that being said, take it away, Daniel. It's devotional time. Jesus and James' words don't contradict the message of salvation by faith in Christ alone. The verse in discussion here for devotion this week will be out of Matthew 25, verse 40, which says, The king will reply, And truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What the Lord is seeming to imply is that serving others is a requirement for salvation. Yet the Bible is clear that salvation is based on faith in Christ and not on your good works. Instead, those who have received salvation by faith and have God's Spirit living within them will be motivated to serve out of love for God and others. Doing good things for others doesn't make you a Christian, and it won't earn you salvation. On the other hand, as a follower of Jesus, you will find yourself motivated to serve others knowing that when you serve the least of these, you're serving God. Have you been wondering what God wants you to do? Ask him first to give you the motivation to serve. Then ask him to show you ways you can serve others. So go throughout the week thinking how it is that you can serve others and how you can serve the Lord. I will say the small quick prayer in order for us to go into the week right. Father, I know that only you can save me. Help my life to overflow with your love so that I will naturally reach out to help others. In your holy name, we say, Amen. Amen.